You are listening to Feeling Good, a podcast for dentists, hosted by Dr. Laura Mock. This is a space where we talk about all things wellness, just for dentists. If you're looking for help treating yourself better, mentally, emotionally, and physically, you're in the right place. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to my 10th podcast. I can't believe we got to number 10. This is so fun. And for my 10th podcast, we have another interview. This time I am interviewing another life coach who specializes in people with anxiety. I just thought it would be really helpful to talk to her since a lot of us have anxiety. Some of us have little panic attacks. That's okay. It's as we talk to her, you'll see it's kind of a normal part of what the human brain does. And she talks a little bit about how she became a life coach and also how her coaching helps people with anxiety. So I think you guys will all find that super helpful. And of course, before I start, I'm going to carry on my tradition of reading another review from my podcast. This one is from a client and she says, Dr. Mock breaks down what we are dealing with on the daily with a sense of humor in a down to earth way so that you know that she not only understands what we deal with every day, but how it actually feels to deal with it. And then she breaks down how to change, how we interact with it. How refreshing. I find myself laughing out loud in my car, then smiling all day. She's just the best. Well, I'm just so happy to have shared a smile with you. And um, each of you who are listening, if you would like to write me a review, I sure will be grateful. And maybe I'll read it out loud on the podcast. Thanks, everybody. And enjoy the episode. Well, welcome, everybody. I'd just like to welcome all of you to our 10th podcast. Woohoo! 10 episodes. And um, we're going to have another interview today. Today I have with us Kelly Hamlin McCormick. Welcome, Kelly. Hi there. I'm so happy to be here, Laura. Thank you. I know. I'm so happy that I was able to convince you to come on here. And I'm just really excited because you are also a life coach and your specialty is... Dun, da, da, da anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Right? The thing everybody wants to talk about. That's right. So tell me how you got to where you are now and just tell us all the things. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. No convincing needed to be here. I'm super excited to chat with you. Um, Yeah. Quick story. You know, I, I did all the things that you're supposed to do. Went to college, got an engineering degree, went into corporate America and Throughout high school and college, and this is back in the 90s, we didn't have any language around anxiety. People were anxious, of course, but we didn't have, there weren't books about it. We didn't really, even as a society, have a lot of vocabulary or stats around the experience of anxiety. But it was an experience I was having throughout high school, throughout college, into my young adulthood, into the corporate world. As I, you know, people always talk about the big difference between high school and college. The big difference is between college and working and having your own apartment (laughs) and all of that, right? In early adulthood. But it was, it kind of ebbed and flowed for me throughout the years if just anxiety, but it was something that, that came along for everything. It was always an experience that that's kind of how I dealt with stress around tests or Um, stress around, like if I was giving a big presentation at work, um, that was always where I went was anxiety. I would have, you know, that meltdown people talk about, or I'd freak out about it. That's kind of 
some of the terms that people use around anxiety. I can see now they were panic attacks and that I was living with a not so low <laughs> level of, of anxiety that was in kind of in the background all the time. But yeah. So then as I was um, getting into, you know, my mid and late twenties, then I started seeing books like Martha Beck, like mm-hmm. Gabby Bernstein, Marie Forleo was becoming a bigger thing, right? The internet was becoming a thing that <laughs> we were all, I mean, it wasn't this weird thing you went to sometimes. It was something that you were plugged into most of the time. And um, so anyway, you know, kind of long story short, it was a process for me of kind of navigating the older existing tools, things like things that are things like therapy. And um, I tried, I mean, I'm a yoga teacher. So I did a lot of yoga, a lot of meditation, a lot of the things you're supposed to do. And all of a sudden life coaching kind of presented itself to me thanks to Martha Beck's book, Finding Your Own North Star, which Mm -hmm. if you haven't read it, you're welcome. (laughs) It's so good. I love Martha Beck. She's amazing. So good. Yeah. So that kind of started me on the path to life coaching. It was, it was this interesting, like my main takeaway from the Martha Beck book was there was this very practical and pragmatic approach to problems that people were having with their emotions which wasn't my experience in therapy. Um, I felt very loved and very supported in therapy. And I felt like I had a very safe space and that was wonderful to a point. And, and then it got to be like, okay, I just need to know how to get through this week at work. I need to know how to manage at the time. I was like always a bridesmaid, never a bride. I was like, I need to know how to manage this next wedding that I have to be in without totally freaking out about it. I need some tools and techniques to apply in my life. And that is not, that was not my experience in therapy at all. But in reading Martha Beck's book and kind of getting turned on to life coaching, I was like, oh, there are tools and techniques out there to help with our emotions, with intense emotions, and with a recurring emotion and experience like anxiety. So it was very exciting. So once you discovered life coaching, how did it change how you personally deal with a panicky feeling or a moment of anxiety? Yeah, good question. And to be honest with you, I don't think it changed it at first. At first, it was like <laughs> like I had this tool over here because I wasn't working with a, with a personal coach yet, right? I was still like reading about coaching and I hadn't... It was like I was hanging out with coaching, but I wasn't really applying it. I wasn't really living it because I didn't have that one-on-one help to really guide me through. Here's what this looks like. If you were to apply it, here's how we're actually going to work on your thoughts and your feelings and your actions and results. Right? So it was like in the beginning, I kind of had this sense that there was a way and that I was maybe circling in on it, but I didn't really get it yet. So that started. And then as, as I kept hanging out with it and as I was onto this, like, no, I think we're onto something here. I think this is a way, a true way forward. And like I said, I'm an engineer (laughs) training wise. So practical things, step-by-step processes, you know, just a really pragmatic approach that isn't super fluffy or new agey or filled with woo, 
felt with felt really good to me. All right, I love the woo. We all love the woo, right? And it's lovely to hear. But I was like, yeah, but what am I going to do at work? Right? What am I going to do with this wedding? What am I going to do that I'm freaking out about? I have, a, you know, I bought a house and like the finances and taking care of a home and I lived alone. Like I just needed to know what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. Woo was not <laughs> helping me with that stuff. Yeah. So that's when I um, discovered the life coach school and Brooke Castillo. And then <laughs> true to my nature, I was like, well, why hire a coach if you can just become a coach? <laughs> oh, sure. Let's just jump all the way in. Let's just do the thing. Mm-hmm. So I signed up for certification. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, in the process of getting certified, you are being coached and you are coaching a lot. So I got all the benefits of basically having a one-on-one coach through the process of getting certified. And it was more of like a, in the beginning, I think it was more of like a, huh, let's see what happens here. But through the process of getting certified, I noticed like the anxiety is really shifting because now I had somebody walking me through, here's the tools and somebody who would kind of challenge me if I said, no, I think this is how I'm feeling. Or I think, you know, here's how I'm thinking about this. Then I had somebody to say, okay, let's back this up. Wait a second. Like, let's, let's dig into that. And I had a real advocate along for the ride with me. So that's, it was the process of getting certified where I started to really experience a shift in how I was experiencing anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this is definitely, we're on to something here. Yeah. Okay. Was that so, your question? Well, <laughs> it was a good preamble. <laughs> So let's pretend Kelly today has a moment where, oh my gosh, this thing, you know, versus Kelly 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. What does it look like now that's different than 10 years ago? Oh, okay. This is a good way to say it because I, first thing I want to really drive home is that Kelly today still feels anxious, mm-hmm. right? Anxiety is still very much a part of my life. I still get stressed out. I still feel overwhelmed. I still worry. All of that's here because I'm still a human being. Yeah. (laughs) Right? And the point of coaching has never been about getting rid of it. But to answer your question, so what does Kelly do today that Kelly 10 years ago didn't have or didn't know how to access, right? So now when when I start feeling that low hum of anxiety, And okay, quick tangent here. Anxiety is an emotion for sure. It's a feeling, but it's also a physical experience. It's a physical sensation. So it's a little different from other emotions in that respect, right? There's there's this physicality to anxiety because of our nervous system, because of that fight or flight stress response. And we do experience all the adrenaline, all of the cortisol, that hormonal change right? As, as our body is activating the stress response. So there's the emotional side, but there's also the physical sensations side. So I just wanted to quick tangent for that. So when I start feeling that low hum of anxiety, let's say that it's the emotional side of anxiety, right? Now it's this like little red flag for me to sit down and just see what's going on. Like, okay, I'm feeling anxious. Now for most of us, we have like the thing that is our thing, 
kind of that constant trigger or that consistent trigger, I guess is maybe a better word. For me, one of those triggers is when I get too busy. So if I'm feeling that low hum hum of anxiety, sometimes I'm like, okay, do I have too much going on? Is one of the kids sick? That's another big trigger for me. Like just noticing what's happening in my life, noticing how I'm thinking about it. So that's one thing that 10 years ago, it would have just been game on. That would have escalated into a panic attack. Mm -hmm. I would have had no introspection. I wouldn't have sat down and looked at how I'm thinking and really where my mind is going, all the scary stories that I'm telling myself about how I'm feeling, right? Mm -hmm. It's like we have thoughts about our thoughts and thoughts about our feelings. (laughs) And that's kind of, so 10 years ago, it just would have, it would have escalated until it exploded into a panic attack. Got it. Most of the time now, it's very much, let's be thoughtful about this and sit down and see what's going on here. Is it something to do with the kids? Am I worried about something? Is it something to do with my schedule? Did my husband and I have a spat? Am I worried about something financially? What's going on? So if I can try to restate this, it sounds like what you're telling me is when you start recognizing that anxiety is setting in, the first thing that you do is look inside your mind. So metacognition, start analyzing what the thoughts are. And you didn't have the tools to even be able to do that before. You couldn't separate yourself from your inner voice. No, it was very much before. I think it felt like anxiety was happening to me. Yes. And it was like, oh, like, like I was being attacked with it. Mm-hmm. Like it was something I'd kind of stepped in and it was just like, Here now you're, you're right. Yeah. It was like, now you're along for this ride. Mm-hmm. Who knows how it's going to last? Who knows how bad it's going to get? We just kind of got to wait and see. I felt completely out of control. And at this point now, I really truly see anxiety as one of, it's just a messenger for me. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, something's going on that I'm not paying attention to. And it may be something subconscious, right? It's not always something as simple as like, oh, I have too much going on. (laughs) Sometimes it's much deeper than that. It's something subconscious. But it's always a reminder now. It's always that red flag of like, if you can pause here and take this invitation for what it is, you're going to find out something about yourself and you're going to have an easier go of it. Otherwise we know where it's headed. Right. Yeah. Full on panic attack. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that you're a trained engineer, but you no longer work as an engineer, correct? Correct. You are a full-time coach just helping people who self-identify as being anxious. Correct. Yes. So what does a typical, um, walk me through what that looks like for a client. So they come to you. What do they say about themselves? How do they describe what's happening? And how do you teach them to have those same tools that you now have for yourself? Yeah. So people find me through a variety of ways. And most of them are a little surprised that I exist. <laughs> They're like, aha. <laughs> I, you're not a therapist, but you help me. <laughs> right. Because life coaching, you know, it's becoming more mainstream and it's becoming something that, I mean, 20 years ago, if I had told you that I have a chiropractor, a yoga teacher, a masseuse, a nutritionist, you would have been like, what is going on with you? What is wrong with you? Right. Mm-hmm. Nobody hired all of that stuff into their lives. 
Now, of course, we all have a slew of physical health helpers, <laughs> right? We hire all sorts of guides and teachers and professionals to help us with our physical health. And my vision is truly that life coaching is becoming a part of that and that people are going to more and more often be saying, and my life coach, because of course I work with a coach Obviously. for the game of life, right? Yeah. So um, when people do find me, they are, I think, first of all, one of the hallmarks of anxiety is that we're all pretty sure <laughs> that we're alone and that we're the worst. <laughs> right? So to all my anxious friends out there, I just want to tell you, you are not alone and I love you. Probably not the worst, <laughs> right? You all start your conversations with me that way. And I, about half the time people will say, I don't even know if this is going to work for me because I'm so bad off. I'm so anxious. I'm like, just stick with me. Let's just give this a try, shall we? Let's see what, what happens here. So as people, what I do right now, I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, um, which I think is a really, really powerful way for people to get introduced to the world of life coaching, especially if they've never worked with a life coach. Um, now that said, I work with a lot of coaches too. <laughs> I mean, anxiety is everywhere. So I work with a lot of people who are well-versed in the world of coaching and coaching is not new to them. But I work with people one-on-one -on -one and I take people through a process of very, like we start with what is anxiety, right? Like really understanding what we're dealing with here. Because I find most of us don't have a great understanding of the feeling of anxiety and the physical sensation of anxiety and where it's coming from. So we have to understand what we're dealing with first, right? If you tell me, if you, Laura, come to me and you're like, okay, we're going to go to Chicago. I'm like, okay, great. Where are we starting from? Are we starting from your house or my house? Like we have to know where we're starting, right? Any map to Chicago from Florida is not going to help you and me, <laughs> right? So we have to know where we're starting from. So that's what we start with first is really understanding and getting closer to what anxiety is. What is this thing that feels like it attacks us and, and limits us and controls us, right? So we start there. And then we start um, with everybody, like I hinted at earlier, everybody kind of has that thing that is their thing. Their trigger points, their, I mean, we think 60,000 thoughts a day, but most of those are on repeat, right? Mm -hmm. They're thoughts we thought yesterday and last week and last month, and maybe even a decade ago. So we have to find the thoughts that are on repeat Maybe it's how you're talking to yourself about yourself. Maybe it's how you're talking to yourself about your body or your relationship or your job. There's all sorts of trigger points, right? And though that's one of the things that's really unique to each one of us that we have to find first. Where's this coming from? Where's this starting? So we do a lot of work and this is thought work. This is inquiry to really understand where's your mind at? And what are you telling yourself about anxiety? Because if you're coming to a life coach, you probably think anxiety is a problem. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert, anxiety is not the problem, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Anxiety is never the problem. But if you think anxiety is a problem, then we're probably creating a new problem based on that, right? So we kind of start untangling all of the thought processes, all of the mindset, not only about life and the trigger points, but about anxiety itself. So then we start walking through feelings, which 
another clever little aspect of anxiety is that if you really think about it and you think about a time that you have experienced anxiety, if you and I were to sit together and like really look at that moment, the true feeling is very rarely anxiety. Most of the time, anxiety is showing up as a cover emotion for another feeling, something we don't want to feel. Does that make sense? Um, Okay. So like we notice that we're feeling anxiety, but we're feeling it because we have some other thing, whether it's anger or fear or sadness. And the anxiety is like, I have to run away from this feeling right now. Exactly. If you think of anxiety as that fight or flight stress response, Mm-hmm. And now I've told you, let's make something up. Laura, you need to get up in front of a room of 500 people and give a talk. Mm-hmm. And you are scared out of your mind about it. Your brain is hopefully going to be like, you know what? Let's just freak out. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm going to take you away from the pain of that fear and that nervousness. And we're just going to freak out over here. It's going to create a little drama and distract you a little bit. And you won't have to feel scared or nervous. You're going to be anxious instead. Okay. So I'm going to just take a sec and I'm going to apply this to like my typical client. Okay. Please. Yes. So for me, what I get most of the time is a female dentist in her thirties or her forties. Okay. And this is what will happen to many of us. We'll be looking at work that we did Mm -hmm. six months ago or a year ago, and we'll see a flaw in it. (laughs) Yes. You sweet so perfectionists. Maybe there's yes. a crack or a stain or even a cavity around the thing that we just did, or we get an x-ray back that shows it and we can see that the work ain't perfect. Yes. So then what happens is we start to feel inadequate and we're afraid of that inadequacy and we try to bury it or hide it and make sure nobody else knows that we feel that thing. Right. So how would that turn into a panic attack? Is it kind of like, oh my gosh, this thing is getting a cavity around it. I suck. I suck. And then it goes from there or. Yeah. So I, I give people the imagery of like a volcano. Okay. Okay. So let's picture that you working as a dentist, all of your work flawless so far. Okay. Mm -hmm. Perfect world. (laughs) for you on the podcast she just rolled her eyes (laughs) okay so but let's say like that in an ideal world and you're like deep in the belly of the volcano you're nowhere near erupting right everything's going fine and then you come across something that you're like oh this could have gone better this should have gone differently i should have caught this you you see exactly what you were just saying so now we have an option right? And it's like, I could own up to this mistake. I could call this patient. I could fix this. I could, whatever that looks like in, in the, that situation, right? If, if you need to lose money on it or pay for it or whatever that looks like, I could own up to it, basically. Apologize, put myself out there and say, I screwed up. Mm-hmm. So when I suggest that, like, how do you feel thinking that I, I screwed up? <laughs> You know, what is the feeling that comes up for you? Um, it, it, it's, um, I just want to hide. It's maybe shame or, or embarrassment, yes. disappointment in myself. Yes. Yeah. Let's go with disappointment. That's a good one, right? That it's like, I know this work. I know I can do this work. 
right? This isn't something I've, you know, not up against. Like I know cavities, I can do this. And I didn't do this, right? So I'm feeling a little disappointed in myself in this moment. So now your brain has this option. Either we can sit in the pain of disappointment, right? Which everybody's like, that doesn't sound like fun. That sounds terrible. It sounds terrible. And then I'm going to have to call somebody and I'm going to have to tell them about it. My colleagues are going to know. The office is going to know, right? Like this all sounds terrible. Or I could just like freak out about it. I could hide it, right? Maybe that's what we first do, right? I could, let's just hide from this. Let's just pretend this didn't happen. So then there's part of your brain that's like, well, I know this happened. There's part of it that's going, yeah, but let's not look too closely at it. So you've got this feeling of disappointment and it's just kind of ruminating Mm -hmm. and stewing and your brain is having this back and forth, but I know I could, you know, I need to fix this. I screwed up and I don't want to call them. I don't want to own up to this. That dissonance, right? That cognitive dissonance, or I've got these two thoughts that don't align and the one of them is pretty painful, you know, is creating disappointment for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sitting in this place, not really making a move either way yet. That is a ripe breeding ground for anxiety. So then you start mm-hmm. notice you're feeling anxious, which is kind of handy because now you're not feeling disappointed. Right. I mean, if I'm feeling anxious, then I don't have to blame myself for the mistake I made. I mean, it's poor sort of, you. You're kind of freaking out. You've had a really hard day. I'm a victim of this anxious feeling. Totally. To me, right? So. Plus... Anxiety is kind of, kind of dramatic. (laughs) Have you noticed, right? Like, so you can create a pretty solid distraction for yourself. If you're anxious, if you're disappointed, you kind of just have to hang out with disappointment. Yeah. Right. So now we're creating like the theatrics of anxiety. Maybe you do have a panic attack, but I mean, anxiety has a lot of energy to it because of that adrenaline. So it's like, I don't know about you. Sometimes I get a lot of cleaning done. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I get a lot, like I can't quite sit still. There's just a lot to anxiety. So then it's like, well, this is better than disappointment. This is what your brain's learning, right? Yeah. This is better than disappointment. And in a backwards kind of way, anxiety sort of works in this situation, kinda. Because it's like, well, not disappointed anymore. That's better. I'm distracted from that. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you've got the new problem of the discomfort of anxiety, right? But now you've started practicing it. And now your brain thinks that it's cleverly routed around pain by distracting you from it. So this is what happens. We start practicing anxieties. We start moving to anxiety. Even though if you and I are sitting here, I'm like, well, what would you, la- what would you rather, disappointment or anxiety? You're not going to be like, anxiety every time, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But your brain is kind of trying to protect you from the pain of disappointment. So it thinks it's working. And this is how we start practicing anxiety. This is why we start getting better at anxiety. We start getting really efficient. And that becomes our coping mechanism in a weird, weird way. Yeah. Yeah. So then if I'm a dentist and I'm wanting to not feel as anxious Mm -hmm. um, in general, but especially about my practice, then the first thing I get to do is see what I'm running away from and just look at it. A hundred percent. And I know this sounds like bad news because you're like, that still doesn't sound like fun. But let's take a different example that's pretty much the same thing. If somebody comes to me and they're like, I'm in all this debt, Mm -hmm. what's 
to do. Pull up all of your accounts. Let's see what we're dealing with. Get out the credit card statement, get out the savings account, get out the checking account. Let's look at what we're dealing with first, right? Mm -hmm. We've got to get closer to understand the same thing here. It's like, okay, you're going to come to me because you think anxiety is the problem. You're feeling really anxious about your practice. And then I'm going to say, okay, so what's really going on? Because I don't think you're really just all that anxious, right? And you're going to say, well, I did screw this thing up. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. Now let's lean into that disappointment. What if you could allow yourself to feel disappointed, right? And to come through that. And as business people, truly one of our best opportunities to make a lifelong customer is to own up to our mistakes and do amazing customer service. And I don't care what industry you're in, Mm -hmm. right? If I get a call from my dentist, who's like, you know what? I was just looking at this and I need to see you immediately because I need to fix this for you. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, that's somebody who pays attention to me. That's somebody who cares about me. They don't have to call me. They could have just waited another however many months until my next six month appointment, Mm -hmm. right? So now all of a sudden, like you're leaning into the feeling of disappointment. You're offering something to your patient. They're feeling loved and seen. They're like, you're the best dentist ever. Yeah, she made a mistake but she fixed it in the best way possible, right? She went outside of the norm and didn't just wait for me to come in. Like maybe you personally call the patient. Maybe you don't even send the receptionist to do the work, (laughs) right? There's so many ways that it's like, get closer to that disappointment. Let's walk through the disappointment together. And then you're going to notice you're like, anxiety didn't enter into any of that. There was no anxiety in that process because you process disappointment. Right. Right. Yeah. That's so interesting. Wow. So once someone has worked with a life coach on anxiety, then even though they're still going to have bad things happen in their life and they're still going to have negative thoughts and feelings, they're going to have tools for avoiding basically panic attacks that stop them from living their life. Absolutely. Right. My work, like my mission with everything I do with my clients is to help people like see that anxiety for what it is. Like in this example that you gave, it's like, okay, let's just stop. Let's see what's happening. Why am I feeling so anxious? Well, then you find the disappointment. Then you find, okay, I took this action. Here's the result I'm getting. How am I thinking about how I showed up as a dentist that day? How am I thinking about this result for my patient? Oh, I'm thinking in a way that's producing a lot of anxiety. It's like, okay, now I see what's happening. The anxiety is not the problem. The problem is you didn't want to feel disappointed. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is always the work. The, the process is really like giving people tools so that when they see the anxiety, they really treat that as a messenger. This is the invitation to figure out what's up, mm-hmm. right? This is the invitation to understand yourself better. This is the invitation to become aware of what's going on for sure. And then, like you said, like the goal is never to get rid of anxiety. (laughs) We're human beings. We have human thoughts, which are sometimes judgmental. They're sometimes stressful. We sometimes worry. We're human. Humans make stories out of everything. It's fine. But understanding where our emotions come from, right? And understanding the physical side of anxiety and that the sensation of anxiety 
that fight or flight stress response is going to get activated if we don't like cut it off <laughs> sooner, right? If we let that that feeling kind of run away with itself, like it's all about transforming that experience so that you understand yourself better and you see because then that dentist who's feeling disappointed, who maybe made a mistake, then like who does that dentist become? Mm-hmm. Right? Who is that dentist in six months and three years from now when they're doing work on different patients and they're seeing similar things to that one mistake they made? They're like, oh, I've seen this before, right? Now, not only have they become more aware of their emotions, they're better at what they do in the world. Yeah. And that is how life transforming life coaching is, right? It's like, I don't know anything about dentistry, but we help people become better at what they do. We come, you know, the, they become the higher version of who they already are. Yeah. So cool. What I've really gotten from my conversation with you is that you've really helped me see that anxiety is secondary and that seeing my thoughts is the key to managing it. Right. I mean, outside of, here's when we need anxiety. If you're in a dark alley and there's a bad guy, <laughs> mm-hmm. Right your body is going to immediately go into that fight or flight stress response and anxiety has served its purpose. Right. It's like a feature on a car. You're glad that your car has airbags. You hope to never use them. Mm-hmm. Right. But the fact that they're there, you're like, okay, that does make me feel better. Right. Right. I love the idea that if I need to run for my life or fight a bad guy, <laughs> if I were so inclined, mm-hmm. but probably run, that my body prepares my myself by prepares itself in microseconds to do that. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. It's like you have an anxiety button that you can push. That's like, now it's time to run away from this bear. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's such a gift. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, if we have this relationship with it where we think it's such a problem, mm-hmm. and of course in our modern day lives, we don't need anxiety no. like our ancient ancestors. We shouldn't be needing to touch that anxiety button right. very often. But our brains can't, they don't distinguish between the threat of a wild bear running at you and the threat of like the mean girl looking at you across the PTA table. Yeah. Right. Both of those are, are equally dangerous in our minds because it's like in one situation, there's this wild animal and I need to run for my life. In the other situation, somebody doesn't like me. My feelings are going to get hurt. I might get kicked out of the group. Right. Our brains really, they don't distinguish between those. Mm-hmm. But we can learn if we're looking at our thoughts, we can learn to quit touching the anxiety trigger. Right. Because so. you can look at it and say, is this a mistake I made at work? Is this a mean girl looking at me across the table? Yeah. Like, okay, I can have a different experience of this than if there's a bad guy in an alley or a wild bear. That's totally so different. Yeah. So tell me about this new project that you're working on. Yes. I'm so excited about this. So I've been working one-on-one with clients for eight years about now, mm-hmm. which is awesome. I've learned a lot. My program that I take one-on-one clients through has changed a lot. It's grown a lot. And it's time to take this work to a group. So plus the other thing that I was seeing a lot, this is, this is, the question that I was answering or the problem that I was seeing is that people would go through one-on-one coaching and then it's like, now what? Like, I want to keep learning. I want to stay close to this material. They have a solid foundation and they have 
great tools, but it's like, but I still want to work on this. I want to stay close to this work. Mm -hmm. So there was a, that was a question that was getting asked over and over again is like, now what? And so I'm launching what's called the Fierce Calm Project in early 2020. And it's going to be an ongoing membership with brand new monthly content, videos, worksheets, all that good stuff each month. So it's going to be different than what people have learned if they've gone through one-on-one coaching with me. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's going to expand on all of that. People haven't gone through one-on-one coaching. There's going to be like an introductory bonus module that will basically teach them all of the tools that I do in my one-on-one coaching. It's going to be so awesome. That's so much fun. Congratulations on growing your practice so well that you have all this demand. And I mean, an engineering job, that's a legit career. So like, not the life coaching in them, but like, it's a big deal to give that up to coach full-time. It just, I feel like reflects on the fact that you must be a really amazing coach. So good job. Well, thank you, Laura. (laughs) I'm super excited about it. This is exactly and I know we hear coaches say that a lot, but I think it's because it's so true. It's exactly the program that I wish I had years ago, for sure. This would have changed my corporate career. It would have changed my experience of the beginning of parenting, the beginning of my marriage. Like It would have changed so many things for me, for sure. Yeah. And now you're going to change it for a lot of other people. And I'm going to yes. do the same thing. I'm working on it. You are. That's exactly right. Yeah, I know. I know. No, I love it. Yeah. It's all a process. Yeah. Well, this has been so much fun to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to explain to us how anxiety works and how it applies in a dental field. And I, I mean, I just feel like our time together has been so valuable. Thank you so much. Well, thank you again so much for inviting me on. And I, I hope that this has been helpful for people. I know that we're not alone in experiencing anxiety. There's 40 million Americans that, you know, struggle with anxiety. So yeah. we're in good company and it's something that, that we need as a society to really pay attention to and care for. So I think we can, we can't have these conversations often enough. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to feeling good, a podcast for dentists. To learn more, please visit thelifecoachforbusydentist.com and take advantage of my current offer for a free, no-obligation consultation to find out if having a life coach is right for you. I promise you won't regret it.